Ei kahta kai samanlaista tässä maailmassa kavalassa. Joku hienossa silkissä kulkee asutalossa valtavassa. Sinipuulalla kaulalla loistaa nauha helmien valkoisten. Mut tuota ylvämpi yhä ja aina on tyttö punainen. Hän on punainen, tuli punainen. You probably don't know the words, but I'm sure the tune is familiar. That's Joe Hill's Rebel Girl, sung in Finnish. It's from Finnish North American working class women and music in the early 20th century. A presentation earlier this month that featured Sasha Lina Rantanen discussing songs by and about Finnish immigrant working class women alongside musical samples from working class women of Finnish background in early 20th century North America. The talk was part of the 2022 FinFest USA and on Labor History in 2. On this day in labor history, the year was 1816. That was the day the Albany Typographical Society used the term scab to describe a strike breaker. I'm Chris Garlock, and this is Labor History Today. My name is Marcus Cedarstrom. Welcome, everyone. Super glad you could all be here. I am a folklorist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I'm really excited to be co-hosting. Uh, this is our fourth one this year, co-hosting with, with Anna Rue, also a folklorist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Sayalina works as a university lecturer at the Sibelius Academy of the University of the Arts, Helsinki. She's a music historian. Uh, her research interests are in social, political, and cultural history of music. She's particularly interested in people and phenomena that have been marginalized in history. That's what we're gonna hear about today. Uh, her research interests include migration, labor history, and the role of women as musical and cultural influencers. Uh, in her current research project, she's studying the music culture of the Red Finns, in North America and Soviet Karelia from the late 19th century until the late 1930s. She's also working on a collaborative project about T-Bone Slim, uh, the Finnish-American IWW member, poet, and songwriter. Um, she's also a musician herself, uh, so we're super lucky to have her joining us from Finland today. Thank you very much, Marcus. At the moment, I am doing research on the music culture of Finnish North American immigrants from the late 19th century until the 1930s. And my main perspective is particularly on the so-called Red Finns, meaning people who participated in the activities of socialist and communist groups, as well as the IWW, industrial workers of the world. Finnish immigrants were active in collecting music, especially song lyrics. Women, working class women in particular, played a prominent role as song collectors and, and also excelled as songwriters. The focus will be on women who were active in and influenced by the North American labor movement, as the labor movement offered women many cultural and social opportunities. In addition, most of the Finns who emigrated were peasants and workers, which contributed to the activism of Finnish women when it came to the debates on women's empowerment 
equality and voting rights that, that began in North America in the early 20th century. In this lecture, my main research material consists of three songbooks collected and published by Finnish members of the Radical Workers Union, the Industrial Workers of the World, also known as the Singing Union because of the important role of the music in the, in the movement. These books are Proletari Lauluja, Proletarian Songs, which was published in 1918, Ratajain Lauluja, Songs of the Toilers in 1920, and Palkkaurjain Lauluja, Songs of the Wage Slaves in 1925. These songs and songbooks offer an interesting and quite rare opportunity for reflecting the social and political identities of the women migrants at the grassroots level. Although servant work was hard and did not earn the women a lot of money, the pay was relatively good compared to many other immigrant women's occupations or women's wages in Finland. At the same time, North America offered young women a different kind of economic and social freedom uh, from what would have been possible in Finland at the same time. And this is also one of the reasons why North America was also called as women's paradise. But naturally, there, there were problems as well. Um, <clears throat> some women found success as logging capping hosts in the cooperative movement, which was very typical for Finns, and as entrepreneurs. Women usually found work either through acquaintances or through employment agencies, which were also run by Finns. In Canada, women also worked as bootleggers. These women were often widows whose legal income was not enough to support their families. And interestingly, uh, this profession was practiced by as many as several hundred Finnish women in the early 20th century. So, Immigrant women were actively involved in associations, which were also popular in Finland at the same time. Contacts with Finland were close, especially in the early stages of migration, which is why many associations and clubs were inspired by the Finnish models. Many first-generation immigrants had already been involved in association activities in Finland. Immigrant women participated in associations together with men, but also set up their own committees and sections. They also founded newspapers, actively, actively participated in and organized various cultural activities and created networks in the wider American society as well. The activation of women in associations coincided with the rise of the Finnish North American labor movement. Before that, the first women's associations to be founded in the United States were the sororities of Astoria and San Francisco and Pyrkia in New York in 19, uh, 1893, followed by Suomalainen Nice Yhdistys Finnish Women Association Kalume in 1894. Pyrkia's primary aim was to solve and alleviate the problems of Finnish servants. Naisten Osuuskoti, Women's Cooperative Home, was also set up in New York for the same purpose, as it aimed to serve as a holiday home and to help servants find employment. Finnish women in San Francisco also set up their own employment agencies. Following the examples mentioned above, women's associations were increasingly established in Finnish regions. As in the United States, uh, women's associations were also common in Canada. Most of the immigrants who left Finland for North America and almost all of those who moved to Canada belonged to the working class. 
This contributed to the immigrants' activity in the North American labor movement, but simultaneously meant that there was a notable lack of educated middle and upper class women among the Finnish immigrants. This created a hierarchy in, in, the, in the immigrant communities that was quite different from the prevailing class hierarchies in Finland, Canada or US at the same time. Women who were in leadership positions in Finnish associations could be domestic servants or cooks or logger, cook, cooks in the logger cabins. There were hundreds of ordinary, hardworking and uneducated women in women's organizations, running meetings, writing newspaper articles, organizing trade unions and raising money. These women were well known and respected in their communities. They were not theorists or idealists, but hard workers who looked after the affairs of both women and men in the association. In their own clubs, women also learned about holding and chairing meetings, as well as writing, debating and public speaking, with the aim of being able to participate in social activities as equal members. And according to Varko Lindström, uh, who has done extensive uh, research on the activities of fin Finnish women in Canada, the position of Finnish women combined with the circumstances of immigrant women largely determined their attitudes and role in the prevailing political climate. She argues that Finnish immigrant women in Canada were, I quote, the most ardent supporters of socialist action. In her book about Finnish immigrant women in Canada from 1890s to 1930s, Lindstrom discusses women's lives from various perspectives, including their role in the labor movement. Her starting point is that, I quote again, the real history of women describes the ongoing activity of women in a world defined by men, but on their own terms. End of the quote. At the same time, Finnish women were becoming a familiar sight at suffrage parades in major North American cities. Women of Finnish background also became active in the anarcho-syndicalist IWW and formed a very active and strike-prone group within the organization. So as noted earlier, uh, migrant women were also active in the field of music, although little is known about their activities in the area. Women sang in choirs, organized various musical events and wrote songs. Women were also the subject of songs. Uh, songs written by women can be found in labor songbooks, particularly in North America. Labor movement was notoriously sympathetic to a wide range of musical and other lesser activities, which is why the role of women as songwriters or poets, for example, was emphasized within the movement. Songs were a very concrete expression of social grievances and challenges they faced, as well as the aims of action. The same themes mentioned earlier, such as women's rights and suffrage, can also be found in poems and songs written by women. One example of this is Hanna Lehtinen's poem Siskoille for Sisters, that you can now see here in the screen. It was published first in a newspaper and after that in the socialist songbook, and it was, it was quite typical that some of the poems ended up in, in songbooks as well. Hanna Lehtinen's song uh, calls on sisters to fight for civilization and freedom before it's too late. She says, um, let us leave the dark cabin sisters, let us search for the light. We shall break all the shackles which deprived us of happiness and life. We look for happiness in this life, peace and bliss for our souls. We won't save it for beyond the grave. 
The song appeals to women to take the action for their children and their loved ones to avoid a miserable and gloomy life and calls for equal equality for women in the drafting of new laws. According to Lehtinen, the fight had to be waged with energy and dignity because that was the only way to achieve visible results. The song ends with, an, with a reminder of the demanding nature of the task because equality could not be achieved without hard work. And according to Hanna, <clears throat> Hanna Lehtinen, um, great is our task sisters before life is renewed, before we hope to see how society is reforming. Then we go to the IWW songbooks. So in the three uh, Finnish language songbooks published by Finnish Wobblies, uh, there are a total of 23 songs written by, about, and for women. This figure is quite small in relation to the total, no total number of the songs, which is 243, but nevertheless reflects the involvement of women, not only in the movement, but also in songwriting which, as many other responsibilities in early 20th century association life, seems to have generally been a male-dominated task. It is also worth noting that many of the songs uh, deal with workers, brothers, brothers and sisters in general, with both sexes taking into account. Thus, there is no reason, no need, nor need to draw a clear distinction between male and female songs. However, it is interesting to look at the nature and content of these so-called women's songs. Uh, the IWW was a prominent advocate for equality and equity between women and men, black or white, which is evident in the songs under review as well. So uh, based on the books, one of the most popular songs about women's activism was a Finnish translation of the song Rebel Girl, which is probably not surprising. And it was composed by the IWW's main songwriter, Swedish-American Joe Hill. And this song can be found in all three Finnish language songbooks as two slightly different translations. There are probably people here in the audience today who know the history behind the song already, but uh, Hill wrote the song for her good friend, Elizabeth Curly Flynn, who is also here, here in the picture. Uh, she was an activist, feminist, suffragette, and by all accounts, a prominent leader of the IWW. Gurley Flynn was also active in social issues outside the union. And the song was a tribute to the work and influence of women in the IWW, and again, at the same time, sought to attract more women to the cause. And it goes, uh, that's the rebel girl, the rebel girl, to the work class, he suppresses girl. She brings courage, pride, and choice to the fighting rebel boy. We've had girls before, but we need some more in the industrial workers of the world, for it's great to fight for freedom with the rebel girl, and so on. Hill himself advocated for more active participation by women in the movement, and it is reported, and it's actually uh, said in Elizabeth Gurley Flynn's uh, memoirs, that while awaiting the execution of his death sentence in South Lake City, he wrote to Gurley Flynn as follows. You were my inspiration, and when I composed my rebel girl, you were there to help me. Because you were the idea behind it, I want to give you all the credit for the song now as I go away. Now try to find rebellious girls like yourself, because they are needed, and needed badly. <clears throat> Interestingly, in Finland, 
these or other Wobbly songs have not really been heard before or, or even now. And now uh, next I would like to uh, play you the newest Finnish version of the song Rebel Girl. Last spring we planned a concert for the songs of the North American Finns with the music journalist Pekka Laine. The concert was organized in Työväen Musiikkitapahtuma Workers Music Festival in Valkeakoski in June. The program included a new translation of Rebel Girl by a singer-songwriter Topi Saha. New translation is based on the two existing translations in the historical Finnish IWW songbooks. But because neither of the translations really fits the melody of the song, we wanted to have an updated version that others could sing in the future as well. And in the concert, the song was performed by a famous Finnish singer, Vuokko Hovatta. Kahta kai samanlaista tässä maailmassa kavalassa. Joku hienossa silkissä kulkee asutalossa valtavassa. Sinikuulalla kaulalla loistaa nauha helmien valkoiste. Mut tuota hilvämpi yhä ja aina on tyttöpuuna. Hän on punainen, tuli punainen, ja ylpeä työväenlukkainen. Hänen rohkeudestansa on voimaa nostaa puhumaa. Noita kierroja, markkinan lieroja ja ylivaltaa ahneuden. Kun semustaan suoja, tuotitte Kiivasti rinnassa Raha herrat ne kauhuissaan vapisee Viho viimeisen ymmärtäen Et heitä ylvämpi yhä ja aina on tyttö We'll be back with the rest of Finnish North American working class women and music in the early 20th century in just a second. You're listening to Labor History Today. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1816. That was the day the Albany Typographical Society used the term scab to describe a strike breaker. The word scab had been used in England for nearly three centuries as a slang, meaning a rascal or scoundrel. By the late 1700s, laborers began to use the insult to refer to workmen who wouldn't join a union or a strike. In the United States, the early 
1900s were a time of organization among skilled workers, especially in cities in the Northeast. Cord waners or shoemakers were one early group of organized craftsmen. Cord waners who chose not to join the workers' associations were viewed with contempt as scabs. A Philadelphia cord waner during a court trial in 1806 defined a scab as a shelter for lice. The Albany Typographical Society is largely credited for being the first organization to use the term scab in print to define a strike breaker. Company owners have long tried to replace striking workers with scabs. In 1886, scabs replaced striking workers at the McCormick Reaper Works in Chicago. Police fired on the anti-scab demonstration outside the plant, which led to the Haymarket tragedy. The National Labor Relations Act, passed in 1935, attempted to make such strike breaking illegal, but a 1938 Supreme Court decision created an opening for bringing in scab replacement workers. Perhaps the best definition of a scab is thought to come from the popular author Jack London, who wrote, After God had finished the rattlesnake, the toad, the vampire, he had some awful substance left, with which he made the scab. Judas Iscariot was a gentleman compared to a scab. For betraying his master, he had character enough to hang himself. A scab has not. Like what you hear? Check out more at laborhistoryin2.com. Back now with the rest of Finnish North American working class women and music in the early 20th century. You're listening to Labor History Today. Similar aims were again expressed in the song Ulos Naiset, Rise All Women which called on all women to participate in the action because, according to the song, there is no way to freedom but by fighting. The song delves uh, with women's position as slaves and sacrificial cows who were subversant even to their husbands and points out that this could be changed through activism. At the same time, the song called for women to forget their characteristic timidity, shyness, weakness and modesty and to join the struggle that would liberate them from oppression. And the song goes like this. All sisters pick up the battle sword. Do not think yourself as unimportant because we have the power. Let's step in line with pride and cast away these shackles of oppression. The lyricist of uh, Rise All Women is unknown, but the tone of the song suggests that it could have been written by a woman. The author identifies with the sisters and the song addresses and presents the subordinate position of women in a manner that conveys a strong personal experience. One more song, Siskoille, for sisters, again, the same, same name that Hanna, Hanna Lehtinen's poem, also calls for women to join the common front. And the, you can see the poem here in red in, in, the, uh, in the middle of, of the slide. Uh, Grab the battle sword, sword sisters, let us break the locks of oppression let us join the ranks with pride and remove these shackles. So it's kind of repeating, repeating the same, same themes in these in this songs. And the songs of the Finnish Social Democrats and Member of Parliament Hilja Liinama, later Pärsinen, were also published in these songbooks. For example, um, there was a song called Idan Sankarelle for the Heroes of the East, published in two of these Finnish language IWW songbooks. The songs written by Palestine were published elsewhere in North America as well. For example, she edited a music edition, Laulukirja Lapsille, a collection of children's songs published in Astoria, uh, Oregon in 1914. 
This book is believed to be the first songbook in Finnish for children and their families, published in the socialist labor movement, containing both the words and the music for the songs. Also, the unidentified pseudonym Emmi, which is a Finnish woman's name, wrote several song lyrics, such as Raatajan uh, Lauluja, Workers' Homeland, published in two, two of the uh, Wobbly songbooks. Uh, and her own lyrics also for the well-known Kaivantomiesten Laulu, Song of the Miners, about the hard-working conditions of immigrants. Women in the IWW protested strongly against the poor conditions of, in the mines and became even more radicalized by the increasing number of mining accidents in which many lost their husbands and were left alone to look after their families. Women took part in strikes, trade union marches and mass funerals following, following these accidents. And music, especially brass bands, played a key role in setting the mood of the occasions. Emmy also composed the lyrics for the IWW march which called for everyone to organize and join the One Big Union. Two of the books uh, also contain a Finnish translation of the song by Ellen Connor, Stand Up Your Workers. So it's interesting collection of kind of uh, both Finnish songs and also songs, uh, American songs and other songs, songs of other uh, ethnic, ethnic group as well. And this was quite rare concerning, concerning Finnish uh, labor songs or, or any, any kind of workers' songs in general at the time. And uh, written by a Finnish poet, Kössi Kaatra, and published in the, uh, in the songbook Song of the Toilers in 1920, and also in, in the Song of the Wage Slaves in 1925, Punasen Ristin Tyttö, Red Rose Girl, presents another interesting song, song in praise of women's activities as it tells the dramatic story of a female nurse during the Finnish Civil War in 1918. Katra fled the Civil War to northern Sweden, from where he delivered his war-related songs to both United States and Soviet Russia. According to Ilpo Saunio and Timo Tuovinen, who are the pioneers of the Finnish working-class music research, Red Rose Girl was published in St. Petersburg in 1920 in a book called Songs of Revolution under the pseudonym Outlaw. These uh, Finnish Wobbly songbooks show that the song was also published by the IWW in the United States in the same year. Perhaps the most touching of women's songs in these three books is Langenen Laulu, Song of the Fallen One. According to Timo Tuovinen, Song of the Fallen One is, as far as we know, the only Finnish language workers song that defends the rights of sex workers. Although North America was called a paradise for women, not everyone had luck. Many women of Finnish origin ended up as prostitutes. Interestingly, however, Barbu Lindström points out that in Canada, uh, the Finnish prostitute was not a young misguided girl, but a woman, usually at least 30 years old, but often older. They were also not necessarily shabby or sloppy, but neatly dressed women who might typically have been highly educated. It is clear, however, that being a sex worker was certainly the last option for most women. As a result of the IWW's push for equality, prostitutes had, to, had, had their own local branches in the movement. Song of the Fallen One sets a very harsh light on the dark side of this work. The song depicts uh, the everyday life of sex workers marked by shame and contempt. For my precious daily bread, I sacrifice my entire life, it says. 
At times, the clients may have been the same people who publicly were the most vocal critics of the prostitute's work. And here is an example of this kind of situation pictures in the song. This is my part in the wild drama of life. As I look behind the curtains, I see many sanctimonious faces as they are stripped of their disguise. Just give me all your smut, your filth, I cannot stoop any lower. But those who tear down your curtains will discover my, my lifeblood behind them. The lyrics of this song are also particularly personal and tell the story of the prostitute's work in detail. Perhaps the author has practiced the profession herself or at least seen it up close. According to Lindstrom, Finnish uh, immigrant women in Canada developed their own quite independent history in the labor movement. Women's practical so socialism, as he puts it, was particularly focused on issues related to women's lives. Among immigrant women, self-development through studying and generally raising awareness of women's rights were important. In addition, culture was close to the women's hearts and artistic pursuits were generally considered to be educational. For many, music, for example, was an important and dear hobby. For some, it became a profession, but for everyone, it was the way to influence. The women's activity and awareness of the problems around them was astonishing in a situation where a large proportion of the women in charge were uneducated and spoke only Finnish. I will end my presentation with a musical example of this day. Aya Purtinen and her band uh, Brooklynin Satu, Brooklyn's Fairy Tale, have created some great new songs based on the lives and stories of the Finnish North Americans. The song I play now is called uh, Brooklyn's Fairy Tale, as the name of the band, uh, and the story is located in Brooklyn's Finn town somewhere in the early 20th century. In the song, the living and working conditions are difficult, but the faith in the future and a better life in the Brooklyn fairy tale, which refers to the American dream, does not fade. That's it for this week's edition of Labor History Today. You can subscribe to LHT on your favorite podcast app. Even better if you like what you hear, and we hope you do. Please like it in your podcast app, pass it along, and leave a review. That really helps folks to find the show. Labor History in Two is a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show, a labor-themed radio show out of Pennsylvania. Special thanks this week to the 2022 FinFest USA, which hosted 
Finnish North American working class women and music in the early 20th century. We've got a link to the whole video. It's about an hour and a half in the show notes. The FinFest music series is co-hosted by the Sustaining Scandinavian Folk Arts in the Upper Midwest Project at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. You can learn more about the project at folklife.wisc.edu. Thanks also to John Beck and the Our Daily Work, Our Daily Lives Lunchtime series at Michigan State University. We've got a link to over 100 of their great talks in our show notes. Labor History Today is produced by the Metro Washington Council's Union City Radio and the Kalmenovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown University. The Labor History Today team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pozak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks for listening, keep making history, and see you next time.